Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. You know, um, life has a way of just moving in circles. And the longer you live, the more evident that becomes. And so um, sometimes in life, it's one of the key things we're in search of is something new. And uh, there's something about something new. It has that look and feel and smell and everything. And keep living long enough, you get interested in things that are old. And you're in an antique store and you see something that reminds you of your childhood or something, you get enamored with things that are old. And you realize that in all of that, that there's value in both. There's so much value in, in both. And so this morning in, in prayer and um, throughout the earlier hours of the morning, I began to prepare for this evening. And and uh, I'm not necessarily always in per- pursuit of something new, but I think you understand I always pray to see the word of the Lord with fresh eyes and, um, and a fresh anointing. I always want to pray before I study for those reasons. And um, sometimes you're looking for something new and you discover something old. And so we're going to talk about something old tonight. The good news is it's not you. <laughs> Amen. I want you to turn with me to Psalms 23. Psalms 23. And this is where we're just going to use as our base camp tonight. And uh, may not say anything that you haven't heard before, but I pray that we can just see it with fresh eyes and hear it with fresh ears. Psalms 23 and 1, the Bible says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. David concludes this uh, very famous passage by saying this. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. My subject tonight is simply this. Psalms 23. Let's warm our hands, our heart and our faith over these irrevocable words. I love you today, and I thank you for your goodness and mercy and your strength. Thank you for the presence. What a refreshing presence we have felt in our praise and worship tonight. I thank you, Lord, for the spirit of fellowship and unity that we feel in this house. And I ask you tonight, God, to just let this word find a resting place in our heart. In Jesus' name, amen. You could be seated. Thank you for standing. I've grown up my whole life hearing the 23rd Psalm. 
I'm not alone in that. There's many, many others in this building tonight that could say the very same thing. Perhaps one of the passages of scripture that um, we see used or applied in the most, in various circumstances, situations, the 23rd Psalm, scores of times. These six verses have held the hands of countless people and uh, it has brought comfort and security and hope and the list could go on and on, the 23rd Psalm. It's easy to look at familiar passages of scripture like this and feel as though that we know everything there is to know about that and just move right along. And if we're not careful, we can be guilty of doing such things, not with just the 23rd Psalm, but when we're doing our annual reading through the Bible, we can come to familiar passages and it's just kind of easy to speed read through that because we think, I know this. I've got this part of the story. But the word of God is alive and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but the word of God is alive and because it is alive, it's a prism through, just, through which you can just turn it the slightest way and you can see another dimension of that word. And so never discount that just because you've been there before that we've gained it all. It is alive. And so I think there's hope that can be found in looking at something just one more time. Um, a few weeks ago, I lost my, one of my keys in my truck and uh, looked everywhere uh, for, well, everywhere except where it was. And, uh, and, you know, nowadays losing a key to your automobile, pretty serious matter. <laughs> And, uh, and uh, I just remember when we were signing the papers and they handed me the keys, it was just like, now just remember, you know, you're not going to run down to Ace Hardware and you're not going to be able to replace this. Uh, you can replace it, but it's going to be several hundred dollars. So trying not to panic and I just think, you know, surely you'll come across it and uh, at some point. And so tonight when I pulled out this jacket of the closet and when I went to put it on, the the pocket of my coat hit the door facing and I heard something clunk and that's not what it should have sounded like. And um, I ran my, I just instantly knew that has to be, and sure enough it was. And it was a wonderful thing just to look one more time <laughs> in places that I declare I have already looked. And uh, so I'm a lot happier tonight than I was a few, just a few uh minutes ago because I looked one more time and I found something valuable. And so let's look one more time. Amen. You never know when you're going to discover something that just means something to you. So that happens so often when you read the word of God or study it and, and even hear, hear it taught. I don't know how many times through the years, I don't have anything to weigh this against this next comment, but I don't necessarily think it's just because I'm a preacher, but, um, I don't know how many times that I've been in a meeting or a service and a, a minister would come to the pulpit and they would give their text and as they're reading their text, often I think it is our habit to some kind of enunciate some of the words we're going to use and uh, in that particular message. And I don't know how many times that that has happened and almost instantly when I was reading that along with them, you just know exactly where they're going to go and I don't mean you know everything they're going to say, but you just already get the gist, the snapshot of that picture. And I'm just going to be real honest right here. And there are many times when you hear that in that moment, you go, I just can't believe I didn't see that. Or I wish I had seen that. 
I wish I had been able to see that before now. And so before they even begin their message, it's right there. It was right there, and it was just a new light that was shined on it. And that's just one element of the beauty of God's word. And so when we think about Psalms 23, and we think about the first three verses of Psalms 23, incredible truth. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. These are verses that poems are written about. These verses are a snapshot. It captures a moment, or at least certainly the essence of a moment. They're things that writers through the ages have expounded on for decades. They're things that artists bring to life with a brush and canvas, those three verses. Green pastures, still waters, plenty to eat, plenty to drink. I looked at several pictures today that were in relation to the 23rd Psalm and how an artist can capture the moment, those moments of those first three verses. What more could a sheep ask for? They have everything in these verses that it seems they need. Green pastures, still waters, plenty to eat, plenty to drink. The sun to keep them warm, a breeze to keep them cool. Life is good. These three verses are paradise at its finest. They have their shepherd and their shepherd has them. The Bible says he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. And so we could just pause right here and say life is good. God is good. We have everything that we need. The first three verses are a reminder, less than subtle reminder, of how wonderful life can be because God is good. Life is good because God is good. And we can say God is good all the time. If you take an inventory of your life and find any good gifts, we can rest assured of one thing, they come from God. I have that because I have God. That's where promotions come from. That's where raises on our jobs come from. That's where unexpected gifts come from. When a door opens that we weren't qualified for, amen, we can just say that was God. It was just God that was at work in our lives. And many times and in many places we can see that evident hand of God, that God going before us. Obviously, the Lord uses the vehicle the venue of mankind to deliver those, those sources of blessings but, or, or that blessing, but the source of that blessing is God itself. And so we, there's no need to get enamored with a faucet because the faucet's not do, the one doing the work. Amen. The faucet's, well, that's where we look and that's where we're bedazzled. That's where everything takes place. But somewhere way far beyond the faucet, there's something greater at work. There is a pipe tapped into the source. There's something working to bring that to the surface and that's God in this case. Thankful that we have the vehicles of mankind to bring those blessings but never forget the source. The shepherd leads us to green pastures. The shepherd leads us to still waters. The shepherd restores our soul and the shepherd leads us in paths of righteousness. The first three verses are all about the shepherd. It's what the shepherd can do. But, but something drastic happens between verses three and verse four. Amen. That something is now the sheep finding themselves in transition. They're not in green pastures. 
They're not beside still waters. They're not in that safe and secure place altogether. They find themselves in transition. And oddly enough, in a moment of time, in just the shifting of one verse to another, everything has changed. Because once sheep get on the move, they become even more vulnerable than they were in the pasture. There's countless predators and and every predator in its own way is hoping to catch them off guard, straying from the watchful eye of the shepherd. Yesterday in the pasture, there was a gentle breeze, but today it's altogether different because we're sheep in transition. The warm rays of sun are hidden somehow behind the mass of walls on both sides because now we're walking through something. They find themselves miles away from where they have been, amen, those green pastures and those still waters. Today, they are marching through a heartless valley. Amen, verse number four says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. You see, when sheep are sunning themselves in the pasture, when they're sipping at still waters, I said the first three verses are about the shepherd. And so when they're, when they're sunning themselves and when they're eating uh, the green grass and when they're drinking this from the still water, it's easy to talk about their shepherd. You know, I don't want to uh, sound trite here this evening, but if we could animate and if we could, uh, if we could vocalize these sheep, if they were looking at the green grass and the wonderful water, you know, they could boast among themselves, you know, the Lord has sure blessed us with a great shepherd. I want you to just look around. Just look at this. He's chosen nothing but the best for us. I want you to look at the crystal clear water and how cool it is and and just look where we are. If the sheep could talk and reason among themselves, they would be talking about their shepherd. But when you walk through the valley and you're under the threat of a predator, that's when they talk to the shepherd. (laughs) When everything is well, we can talk about our shepherd. We can talk about how great God is and how he has blessed us. But when life puts us in a transient movement, when life changes and shifts, and now we're sheep on the move, and now we're moving from one place to another, it's not hard for us to talk to the shepherd in seasons like that. Amen. Saints of God who have walked through the valley know what it's like to talk to the shepherd not just about him. Sometimes we just sing about him in service and we, amen, God is good all the time. We just talk about how the wonderful the Lord is, but I'll promise you in blinding storms, it's not hard to talk to the shepherd. Hey, Lord, this is me. I'm down here and I need your help. I need you to come alongside me. And so it is to that end that we thank God for the valley because the valley has the power to bring us closer to the Lord. Throughout the last several decades of serving the Lord, I have, like many of you here this evening, countless mountaintop experiences. Some of them I remember because they were just so wonderful. But I have to confess that many of them I have forgotten. Maybe something will happen along the way that reminds me of a certain moment in time and it takes me back to that place. But for the most part, I have forgotten perhaps more mountaintop experiences than I remember. However, I, like many of you tonight, 
have had some valley experiences and those experiences are as vivid in my mind today as they were during the season that I was walking through them. And because of that, I have learned to thank God for the valleys. Amen. Not that we want trials and tribulation and upset or any of those things along the way, but I will tell you that I'm preaching, I think, and teaching to people that understand where I'm going with this, that it's in the valley that the Spirit of God has been so real and the hand of God and his word has been powerful. When we think about the word keeping us and his word preserving us, we understand that. One songwriter said, I thank him for the mountains and I thank him for the valleys and I thank him for the storms he's brought me through. For if I'd never had a problem, I really wouldn't know that God could solve them and I wouldn't know what faith in God could do. But because we have had mountains and because we have walked through valleys and because we have been through a few storms, we really know where to turn in the time and the season of uncertainty. Amen. It's seasoned saints, mature saints. I don't mean that just because you've been around the church for a long time because some people can be around the church and yet not mature. You can be a mile wide and an inch deep. And so that's not what I'm talking about. I don't think tenure just brings it to you. But we've got to have a relationship with God. But mature saints in God, when something comes along that kind of upends the rest of the world, they've just got a different feel about that because they've already been down the road a few times and they have watched God come through time and time and time again. So it's not that they're cavalier. It's not that they're unconcerned. It's not that these things are not going to affect their lives, but they just understand that God has always been there and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he was there when I was 20 and he was there when I was 40, he'll be here for me when I am 60 and beyond. In truth, it's those valleys that reveal the handiwork of God in our life. And so when we're winning at life, when things are going our way, uh, it's just really easy to give ourselves the credit. It's our devotion to our education that brought us the job that we have. And so it's easy to give us the credit. It's our natural giftedness that helped pave the path that we're now walking on. Or maybe it's some sort of family inheritance, whether that be money or other things that set me up for the success. It's easy when things are going our way to give ourselves the credit. But when you're walking through the valley, it's an altogether different story because we won't make it through some things just because we're gifted or just because we're educated or just because we're financially secure. We're gonna have to hand, have the hand of God. We're only gonna come through better because the good shepherd is watching out for us. And so we thank God for the valley because he has that valley has the power to bring me closer to God. I think it's quite possible that we would never be closer to God, than, that we are never closer to God than the times when we're walking through those moments and seasons of transition. It's time to move. I don't mean geographically or that literally, but sometimes when God has taken us to another place in him, 
The truth be told, we pray more in the valley than we do on the mountain. We trust more in the valley than we do on the mountain. We know him better or we know him differently in the valley than we do on the mountain. We feel his presence greater in the valley than on the mountain. And we know the heart of God in a greater sense in the valley than we do on the mountain. That's not to say there's something or anything wrong with having a mountaintop experience, but there is a difference in our relationship with God. I think there's something critical to understand about the valley thing. Amen. The psalmist made it clear that concerning valleys, we walk through them. We don't build houses. We don't contact a realtor. We don't drive tent stakes down into the ground. Amen. We need to give thanks for the valley because they have the power to bring us closer to the shepherd. But I'm not buying property here because I'm going through the valley. The valley is just something that's used to take me from one point to another. So I think it's important that the valley itself does not mean that we're sinful. If we're going through a valley, that doesn't mean we're sinful. That's what they tried to pin on Job. There must be some sort of sin in your life because there, there's got to be something, Job. We've got to just talk this out. We've got to sit this out. I mean, the valley that we go through doesn't mean that we're sinful. If you're going through a valley, it means you're breathing. It means we're alive. It means we're moving. Everyone has experienced something that catapulted them into a valley. Sometimes overnight. Someone may lose a job. Perhaps divorce breaks a home apart. Accidents can come that change lives forever. Friends may move away. Sickness may move in. The list, of course, goes on and on and on and on. Amen. But everybody goes through a valley. Everybody has something that shifts brings a shift in our life to take us from one place to another. But the valley has the power to bring us closer to the shepherd. Now let me give you another truth about the valley. Amen, the valley is not a place to run to, it's not a place to run away from, nor is it a place to run in. Amen, nobody wants to run to the valley. No one says, well, life's pretty good, so why don't you just send me a trial? Amen. Or maybe I'm hanging around with a much more spiritual group than I thought it was. I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's somebody here. Amen. Everybody sort of wants to run away from the valley. Amen. I, and and I've, I've yet to see anybody that wants to run through the valley. The valley slows everyone's pace. That's just the nature of the valley. It brings us to a simple walk. David said, yea, though I walk through the valley. And the reason we walk through the valley, we walk through the valley because the shepherd walks through the valley and the shepherd sets the pace. It seems apparent that he's not in a hurry in the valley, but it should also seem apparent that the shepherd's not afraid of the valley. He's not running to it. He's not running from it. He's not running through it. Amen. There's something about the pace of the shepherd that ought to give us confidence. Amen. He is not afraid of the valley because he understands it's taken us to a different place. So where we're in the valley, we have to walk. We can't stand. We can't run, but we have to walk. So we take comfort in this that we're not walking alone. We're walking with the shepherd. I believe we also should walk behind the shepherd and not get ahead of him. Amen. There's a reason we're following after the goodness of God. We have to trust him and we have to walk with him. I bought an excellent book, probably 20 years, maybe even more than that. Could be longer than 20 years ago. 
I was, <clears throat> I was recommended this book and bought it, have read it a few times through the years. It's the, the title of the book is A Shepherd Looks at Psalms 23. A Shepherd Looks at Psalms 23. It's written from the perspective of a real shepherd. And so this is not uh, just metaphors, but this is a shepherd's look, a shepherd's take on Psalms 23. He says that a good shepherd will take his sheep through the valley every year. They start from their home ranch in the beginning of the year, and then as the flowers bloom and the spring gives way to summer and the warm weather turns hot, they walk together through the valley toward the mountain. This is the shepherd talking. Amen. That, that journey takes them away from the stifling heat. That journey has taken them to cooler weather. Their goal, he said, is to get the sheep above the timber line and the sheep stay atop of the mountain as long as they possibly can. He will leave them there. But just as sure as spring gave way to summer, summer will also give way to fall. The leaves that once provided shade are now falling. Amen, they're making their way. They're making their way to the ground. The temperatures are gonna drop. It's a stark reminder to the shepherd and to the sheep alike that the weather that you've enjoyed is ending and winter is coming. And so the shepherd will once again lead his sheep away from the green pastures and the still waters. And this time, he's leading them down the mountain and toward home because he understands that no matter how green the pastures are, they're not going to stay green forever. But to get them home, we must walk through the valley. And when we walk through the valley, that means that God is either getting ready to take us higher or he has taken us home. Once we pass through the valley on the way to, up to the mountain and now we're passing through the valley on the way home. And so the con, this concept, if we could put this and press this into one singular thought, this is the how and this is the why that we can say thank you for the valley. It's not because we're morbid or twisted or it's not because we're boasting to have more faith than we actually have. It's that we have an understanding that this valley is taking me to another place and that other place is where the shepherd knows what I need is on that end. Amen, it's in that other place. I've got to trust that the shepherd knows what he is doing. You know, we're creatures of habit. We like comfort. We want things to sort of remain the same. Amen, and so the shepherd now starts calling. It's time to move again. And perhaps in their own way, they don't want to move and they don't want to walk, but they've got to follow the shepherd because the shepherd knows what's best. All of us would love to stay on the mountaintop. Amen, we would like to make that our home. Amen, but we understand that if we stay here, we can't survive here. We've got to go to the leading of the shepherd. We've got to follow his steps. And so to that end, again, this is how we say thank you for the valley because the valley is the tool that is used to lead us somewhere else. According to one source I read, the valley of the shadow of death is so dark that the rays of sun can only touch the valley floor for just a few minutes every day, and that is at the peak of noon. The valley is so deep, the valley so deep that the sun rays can only touch the floor for just a few minutes per day. Amen. The rest of the day, the shadows are going to cover over that valley like a blanket. Steep cliffs 
steep cliffs on either side hide the face of the sun and provide the perfect hiding place for the predator. That is the perfect hiding place for someone to reach in and steal. And so when the sheep can't see the light of day, it is so imperative that they follow the shepherd. They gotta step where he steps. They gotta walk where he walks. Amen, even if the sheep have walked this way last year. They need to know one thing. I need to make I need the shepherd if I'm going to make it again this year. Just because I've been in the valley, doesn't just because I've been down this path, doesn't mean the predator is hiding behind the same tree or in the same hole. It doesn't mean the predator hasn't moved his position. And so I can't say, well, I've already been here. I got this. I don't need prayer. I don't need anybody to help me. The sheep, if they're going to be wise and if they're going to be safe. And frankly, if they're gonna be alive on the other end of this, have got to say, no matter that I have been here, I've got to keep my eye on the shepherd because the shepherd knows where the cliffs are and he knows where the enemy resides. And the shepherd will not lead his sheep where he has not already walked. I will go there first. Follow me. He's not sending them ahead to make sure the way is clear He is saying, follow me. The shepherd will never send us where he's not already been. I'm thankful to be serving a God today that can be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. And so when we call on him in prayer, we're not trying to describe our circumstance to him. You know, we've all had those moments where we were trying to describe to someone else what we're going through so that they could help us pray or advise us. And sometimes, because all of us don't take the same journey through life, we run the race that's set before us. Not everybody has the same experience. And so I can't look at people and say, I know what you're going through about some things if I don't know what you're going through. It would be foolish for us to look at people and You know, I think about many times, especially in prison ministry, we have all talked about this many times. The last thing we're going to do is walk in there and say, man, I know what you're going through. When we're fixing to walk out, we're going back home to our family and we're going back home to safety and security. And so we can't just say, I know what you're going through because many times we have no idea what they're going through. And so we just are trying to describe our circumstance to somebody and and we've been also on the other side of that where somebody is trying to pour out their plight and we're trying to understand. But if we've never been there, we, we can only reason within the, the reaches or the resources of humanity. We can sympathize, but often we can't empathize because we may not have been standing where they are. But when we talk to the shepherd, he does understand. And he does know exactly how we feel. David said we're fearfully and wonderfully made. And so he doesn't just know how a human feels about this situation. He knows how you feel about this situation. He knows how I feel about whatever it is that I may be facing. Does that make sense? I mean, he didn't, he didn't just know a human response to that. He knows Wayne's Williams' response to that because he knows how he is fearfully and wonderfully made. And so some things that affect me and keep me up all night, you would sleep right through. And vice versa. 
So the Lord knows me and he can relate to me. Amen. I'm gonna ask our musicians to come. The remainder of verse four says this, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Now this doesn't, I, I think in this verse, it's fair to say that this doesn't deny evil, nor does it deny the lack of comfort. I will fear no evil. There's the acknowledgement that evil's there. I'm just not gonna fear it because I'm following the shepherd. Amen. I, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And so the, the writer is not denying that there could be a lack of comfort, but I'm gonna find solace and peace and your rod and your staff. I'm gonna find what I need in you. It just says in the face of these things, I'm going to find peace in the shepherd. Peace in the shepherd. Verse five says, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. And thou anointest my head with oil and my cup runneth over. What a wonderful word picture. Amen. In the presence of my enemies, you're preparing a table for me. I just have to keep my eye on you. I just have to follow after you. With danger all around, with uncertainty blanketing our life, you're the total source of sustenance and strength, my peace and my safety. Finally, David concludes verse six, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. If you've been walking with the Lord a little while, you know this is not just a cute verse, but we know that goodness and mercy really does follow us all the days of our life. I'm gonna ask you to stand. And as we stand, I'll ask you to remember this. If you hurt, he's been there. If you've been abandoned, he's been there. If you've been forsaken or feel forsaken, he's been there. If you've been tempted, he's been there. And if you've been betrayed, he's been there. Because we're walking behind the shepherd. He's already been where he's leading us. Brother J.H. Osborne wrote a book several years ago now. I believe the title of it is Dust from the Master's Feet. And it's just simply a, a word picture that as we follow him, behind him there's gonna be dust. But there's comfort found in that because you can't walk with him if we're following him without dust from the master's feet getting in our lives and on our lives. He's already walked where we're walking and he knows the way through the valley. Job said this, 23 and 10, he knoweth the way that I take and when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Because God never intended for us to live or die in the valley, he just intended for us to walk through the valley. But we're not gonna walk alone. And so the question that we have to answer tonight is this, is where do we look in the valley? Amen, I believe that we lift our eyes to the one that's leading us and understand one thing, he's already been where we're going. He's already ahead, amen. And he knows how to get us through the valley. 
And so some tonight may be coming out of the valley. Some may be in the valley. And some may be facing a valley by daylight. But we know this. Amen. I'm going to keep my eyes on him. And if I'm in transition, it's just that. God has taken me from one place to another because he knows what's on the other side. Amen. I'm thankful for the, the love of God, the pure love, the pure love of God. Amen. Let's just lift our hands and our voices tonight. Amen. I want you to perhaps think back to some season of your life where God just really kept his hand upon you and you know that these words are true. Amen. What we've shared tonight is truth, not because I shared it. It's true because God's word is irrevocable. God's word is the main line. God's word is our hope and strength. Amen. I love you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.